All right, ladies and gentlemen, this guy right here doesn't need much of an introduction. If you know anything about hockey podcast, you know about Cam and Strick, and you know what Cam Jansen brought on the ice. So my guest today is Cam Jansen. Cam, how's the day shaking out? Man, it's going to be a busy one today. It's, uh, of course, I'm from the middle of Missouri, so uh, you know it's election day. A lot of a lot of emotion, I guess, going on in the United States. But as far as me personally, everything's good, man. I, again, I, I get up and. I do my stuff. I do the radio show. You do the podcast, and um, you know, works work. And that's a, it's actually a, a, a pretty nice gig that uh, we kind of have here. Yeah, you've carved out a nice niche. I mean, on and off the ice. I want to ask you before we get jumping in too far into the hockey stuff. What got you into podcasting? Who bent your ear and said, "Hey, you might be good behind a mic doing this"? Well, I had radio offers when I was in Nottingham, and. I uh, I decided to retire to get a, a, a radio gig in local uh, radio in, in St. Louis, and so that started. And I started to do well, and I got my own my own show. And then I'm like, okay, I'm like, I need. And people always ask me to do a podcast with them. And then you know, Spit and Chickles blew up. So I'm like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to I'm not going to half ass it. I'm going to I'm going to do it. I'm going to go full in. I still got the radio show that can help keep me tweaked and like. When you do a radio show every day, man, you're just on. You know what's going on. You got to do your research. This, that. So you just, your game's on. So anyway, I had to find a guy who I think would be, would I, who I could team up and gel with. And, you know, I'm thinking of other NHL guys, and I'm maybe another tough guy, this, that, and the other. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need a guy that can the complete opposite, that knows what I don't know, that, that, that what I'm, or what I'm weak at, he's strong at. And that was Andy Strickland, who's a local guy that grew up here who I knew well, who's an insider. He knows all the he does all the stuff. He organizes everything, gets all the guests. So we teamed up and man, we had an idea and we just kinda went with it and we spent the money and now it's coming back and we monetized it and we're doing well. No, you guys are blowing up for sure. And the good thing about a podcast aside from radio, radio's great, but on a podcast you don't have any boundaries. You don't have a set time limit. You can go anywhere you want, you can have anybody you want on. And it's your opinion and your way, which is the best part about a podcast. Another thing is, people have to search for it, right? In radio, they can just click it on. Like, oh, did you hear what Cam said? I had my children in the car. I'm like, oh, God. You know? But on the other hand, for radio, though, it's nice to be able to be dynamic. Meaning, people listen to me on a podcast. Like, oh, my God, how does he have his radio show? I'm like, I could not. I know how to <laughs> not cuss. You know, I know how to be professional if I wanted to be, but I just don't like to be. So even my radio show, I'm not, like, I'm goofy as hell. Like, and, and, you know, I'm still the same, but I'm just not crazy. You know, I'm not saying the crazy, crazy stuff, although I kind of am. But it's nice to be able to do that without being so loose. Um, you kind of have to tweak yourself a little bit. It's, it's healthy. No, definitely healthy. When, you know, you go between the two, I want to ask, you know, being on the radio and then switching to the podcast world, did you ever catch yourself slipping from one to the other? Yeah, and it's going to happen again today, probably because I have I have my a regular host on my radio show named Charlie Marlowe. He's a local TV guy, hilarious, knows everything about everything. Right? I'm hockey, big time hockey. He just knows the ins and outs. I can just key his ass up. Real handsome guy too, so it helps with the female audience. <laughs> but 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 when I'm with Andy on the damn podcast, I'm loose, and then Andy comes on my show for Wednesday. So today. I'm probably going to slip up because I'm going to think I'm on the podcast. You get my drift or am I sounding confused? No, no, no. You're not sounding confusing at all. Especially if you bring somebody in that you're used to having that continuity with on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you're talking a certain exactly. way and you're vibing a certain way. Then you bring that same voice 
onto terrestrial radio where you're not allowed to have that loosey-goosey too far feel, but that voice is there in your head saying, hey, we talk every day like this on the podcast. Now we're here on radio. We can't do that. It's kind of hard to flip that switch. I understand that for sure. Yeah, but we're not talking about the hardcore. Yeah, yeah, no, it's going to be tough. Especially <laughs> today will be a weird one. I know. I'm trying to like, uh, but but it's all good, man. And and it's a fun job. And I tell you what, another thing is when you meet people, like when I go to fancy camps and I the blues have me do this or whatever, you're you're out and about and you meet people, you know a little bit about everything because all you do all day long is read what's going on in the news, what's going on in sports, you know, just updated. You update your knowledge every single day. So when you talk to people, it's funny when you go into a conversation, I've always wanted to be able to walk into any conversation anywhere and just be able to chime in and be able to keep the flow going, right? And so now when you just do this every day, you're just forced to study what's going on currently and some, sometimes historically, and it makes it smarter. And I didn't have an education, so I'm, like, doing it all on my own, okay? So there you go. <laughs> Well, there's nothing wrong with that, man. I mean, being up on pop culture yeah. and everything else, right? I mean, it suits everyone well to, to read more, to be involved more, and to know more. Because the more you're informed, the more you can make informed choices and opinions, for that matter. And with you, everybody's listening to what you say. So if you come off half-assed with an opinion, then people are going to look at it like, hey, you know, where's he getting his stuff from? You know, so, I mean, if you're up on it, people are going to say, well, Cam knows what he's talking about. I'm going to go that avenue. I'm going to listen to that podcast or that radio show because he's got the facts. He's got everything going through his mind. And I want to hear what he's got to say in his take. And if I don't, I don't act like I do, man. I don't, I'm not, a, I'm not, I know what I'm talking about with this. Now, some hockey stuff could be different, okay? If you want to go toe-to-toe and be on like a specific hockey thing where I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, dude, I think you're wrong on that. Then I'll, but if it's anything else, I'm just like, okay, yeah. Like, but let's have a, like, I don't, I just bring it up. And then we talk about it. So if you have a little knowledge on history or what somebody did back in the day, like, I, I get I, I go down rabbit holes, man. Like at night, you know, just like going on YouTube stuff about castles or like kings and the you know or Viking. I don't know. Just it's nonstop. Or like maybe a a weird haunted house or paranormal stuff and UFOs. Like it's, I'm into all kinds of stuff, not just sports and hockey, man. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, though. It goes back to what you just said. Now you feel like you can transition seamlessly into any conversation. Someone brings up castles or knights or haunted houses. You're right there with a factor, right there with, hey, did you see this one down on 52nd Street? This is what it's about. This is what happened there, man. You got to check that one out. Exactly, dude. And it's, it's funny because you know how I started doing that? Well, I did this back in the day when you're traveling all the damn time. You're just watching different historical stuff. And then I wanted to go play in England because I was obsessed with like the history and again, castles. But COVID hosting your own radio show during COVID when there's nothing going on forces you to be entertaining. And that helped me out so much to be comfortable talking about just something so simple like, dude, what would you do if you had a billion dollars? And I know that's so like, oh, gee, okay. no, but like, what would you do? Okay, well, here's what I do. I would certainly have a place here. I would take care of my family this way. I would da 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 blah, 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 detail, 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 detail. Here's my toys. Here's what I donate. Like, and then once you get to know the vibe of people and, like, really what they would do, it's, it's kind of interesting with a simple question, just like, what would you do with a billion bucks? You catch my drift? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a wide range of things that people would do. And some people mm-hmm. blow your mind of what they would do because some people are just frank and honest and they say, I'd spend it all on, you know, X, Y, and Z, and that's it. And that's all i do for a billion dollars. And you're like, what? All right. Well, you can set yourself up for life, but okay. Yeah, and here's another thing. I, I actually think about that stuff. Like, I actually think about... 
if I really, really become big, not a billionaire, you're not going to be doing it, and that's fine. But you get like, you know, I never, I made good money when I played. I spent a lot of money. I got addicted to a couple things here and there, and that cost me out the ass. I regrouped, and I'm in a position now where I probably should have been four years ago, but I'm here now. And I went from bottom, and I figured it back out in my second career, and I feel so, like, proud of that. I feel so proud of that. But I also think, like, I want to make... Not, I'm not greedy, man. I give people stuff. But I want to kick my damn feet up. We're looking at a new house. I want to put an unbelievable studio. I sit in my damn basement, dude. Talk to you. Talk to, do my radio show from my basement. Have people come over to my house. Like, that's the kind of setup I want. So I'm always thinking about making, not just making more money, but what are you going to do with that? Like, back in the day, I'm like, let's party. We're the girls. And now I'm like, okay, how can I live the most sim- simplistic, fun, chill life and make money doing what I love to do. It's weird how you think differently when you get older, bro. Man, you know what? I look at the same thing, though, man. I think about it all the time. If I got a million dollars, what would I do? If I got five million, what would I do? You think of the bills you'd pay off, the things you'd do, and where you'd set yourself up. Because, literally, you can have all the fun you want, but at the end of the day, if you come back to zero, and you got all this stuff you got to take care of, and you got nothing to show for it, that's a hard pill to swallow, like you just said, right? Dude. So... Why do I, I who, who do we have on, like, a guy like, I always call Alan Washout, he's a good guy, big agent. Not just him, but it just popped in my head. But these guys, that all they do is work. They work, and they work, and they make their money, but they don't even know their family. All it is is work, 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 and they have all this coin, and they're saving it all, and they don't have fun with it. Not like crazy, stupid fun, but like, I'm working my ass off all week. And I'm going to go to my unbelievable lake house with my lovely wife and my animals. And maybe my kids, or maybe they moved out. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch boats drive by. And then I'm going to go on my sailboat because I bought that cash for it because I make a ton of money. And me and my wife are going to kick our feet up and drink mimosas all day. But these guys, all you do is freaking work. So it's like, what's your wife saying? Like, oh, yay, we have all this coin, but you're never around because all you, all you do is work. I, I never understood that, man. Yeah, well, I, I got a philosophy now, and I don't make a whole boatload of money, man. So I drive cryogenic liquid for a living, so that's my gig. But I look at it like this. So you can offer me all the money in the world, but I want time. I want more time. I want more time yeah. with friends and family and that kind of stuff because that's what you can't get enough of. And you're, you're hitting the nail on the head right there, man. You can have all the money in the world and work all the time, but if you're not home and you're not developing those relationships, what the hell good of it? You're sitting there what alone. Are you doing? What, are you, what, are you, what are your kids doing? Yeah. yeah, they have your money, but you're not even around them to, like, enjoy it with them. Yeah. Because you're working. Now, now, I'm from Blue Collar, Eureka, Missouri, dude. I still live in a Blue Collar neighborhood, although we're looking at a very wealthy neighborhood that we might move into. <laughs> but again, I worked my ass off for that, so I'll be a fancy lad. I don't care. I deserve it. I'm moving away from my mom and dad, who I lived next to for a long since I was 19 when I bought this house. But it's like, I, I, I look at these, again, the Blue Collar, I look at my neighbors right now, I'm looking at them before I go to my show. And they work all damn day because they have to. Yep. They work all day because they have to. No, I'm not you're gonna I'm, don't mistake me for saying, Well, I don't know why you work all day. Well, I gotta feed the kids. No, I'm talking about the big boys, man. You know what I'm talking about. Where yep. all they do and then they, they bitch about money and I'm like, just, just shut up. Like, go buy a sailboat with your lovely wife who you know, like and just freaking chill. Yeah, and just enjoy it. about your money. I know. Just enjoy it, man. You only get one kick at this rock, man. Jesus, just enjoy it. I'm saving every dime because I'm giving it to all my kids and grandkids. Oh, okay. Your grandkids are like, what? Oh, thank you. Thank you for this. They don't even know who you are. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be no pictures of you because you never were home. <laughs> you never were home. Like, they, oh, thanks, Grandpa, who I never 
figment of my imagination. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you, man. You, you, you gotta have, you gotta have the time, man. But uh, I, I look at it, you and I look at your career and the things that you've done, and I mean. I posted up today that you're coming on, and the first comment I get, of course, is, you know, there's a guy who played the game right. There's a guy who, you know, held everybody accountable. And, you know, I'm wondering for you, you look at the game now, and I want to ask this straight out. And, I, you know, you came in in 05, 06, and, you know, the Leafs weren't in the playoffs. And, I mean, this is the Leafs' dominant podcast. You know, the whole time you pretty much were in the NHL. But I want to ask you, you look at the NHL now, you look at the players, do you still feel that guys hold each other accountable on the ice? Or has that kind of gone away to the dogs and... Now it's a little bit more of a Brian Burke kind of term, the the rat show. Um, I don't even think there's that many rats, to be honest with you. And look, here's the deal. It's not like got big, tough guys are getting away with you know murder and the young and bullying going on. It's like everybody's in the same boat now. There's yep. no big, big boys cruising around. So it's like, if you get whacked, why can't you stick up yourself? What's a guy going to beat you up? He's got two fights in his career. You have zero. What's the difference at that point? So... The people that don't stick up for each other and the rats, it's just like you're not defending yourself because no one's, there's no boo guard. I'm not doing it to you out there. You got Riley Cote or Donald Bashir. Who do you got? You got a couple guys creeping around. So my point is, everybody's in this, everybody's equal in toughness. There's not, there's not a big gap. So if there is bullying going on and stuff like that, that's on you. No yeah. one's going to beat you up. It's on Luchik. He's getting six minutes a night. Well, Get out of here, and I like him, by the way. He's an awesome dude, so don't, you know, yeah, don't post that. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no, I know what you're talking about. And I don't think he'd take any offense to it either. I mean, he's got pretty thick skin anyways. Um, oh, yeah. I, oh, asked yeah. That, I asked that question because you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and a knock against them for the longest time, Cam, is they're soft and they don't stick up for themselves. They don't stick up for each other, and it's a lot of guys that don't. And I bring it up because a guy like Austin Matthews, you look at Sidney Crosby in the league, you know, he's fought a few times when he's had to. But a guy like Austin Matthews this year stood a couple guys up and almost looked down at them like, did I do that? Was it was that me? You know, and I'm wondering, how do you bring a bunch of guys along, like a Marner, like a Matthews, like a Nylander, you know, these skill guys, how do you bring them along to figure out, hey, we got to toughen up and smarten up to be able to, to dish it back, not just take it, but dish it. And I think guys like Austin and Willie with their size can do that. Who stuck up for Sydney, man? He took the biggest beating ever. Yep. Yeah, he had a guy, maybe Goddard here and there, but Goddard's not on the ice 22 minutes like he is. So Sidney Crosby would slash you back. He cross, he cross-checked me in the neck one time, one of our first games together in 05. And there's a picture in a paper where he's cross-checking. I go, what? <laughs> I go, what? I go, I'll bag. I'm like, oh, they don't make me like get booted out of the NHL because I hurt you in a fight. But he stuck up for himself, and he, he was actually – very pissy at the very beginning because he was getting tortured, but he figured it out, man. He, he's a warrior. How do you teach being a warrior? I don't know. I don't think you can. In the playoffs, you have to be if you want to be successful. Brad Marchand, this is Ryan O'Reilly, and all those guys with the Blues when they went on that run, they were all warriors, dude. Blocking yep. shots with their face, doing this, winning battles, getting cut, doing that, boom, boom, boom. Like, how do you teach that? I don't know, coach. A coach like Craig Berube, I'm not saying that Toronto, I, I, my point is like, you can't disinject them with something. Maybe, but you could you could say, if you want to take it to the next level in the playoffs, you're going to have to be able to go toe-to-toe with some of the abuse you take. And it's not even about fighting, it's just about like winning battles and hitting a guy and intimidation and things that's, like that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Shots. Yeah, that's well, on them then, dude, that's on them. 
it, no, it definitely is. And I, I asked that question because you look at this offseason and Kyle Dubas went out and got a bunch of old, grizzly kind of guys like a Joe Thornton who can protect the puck with his body and, and show you. And he doesn't take no crap either, right? He'll sit you down if he can. And then, of course, you go out and get a guy like Wayne Simmons and Bogosian, and you look at these guys who are kind of, like you said, warriors, right? They'll go out and do those things. And I'm wondering, are they bringing these guys in to try to teach them and say, here's a line in the sand, walk across it with these guys, and learn how to stick up for your damn self? Because you guys are getting pushed around, and it's just going to keep happening every year in the playoffs. You look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. They shouldn't have walked over to Leafs. They shouldn't have walked over them. I don't care what anybody says. They shouldn't have. But they did, and they used the physical play to do it. They absolutely did. And it's, again, not, it's just, it's hitting and it's battle. I liked how you brought that up. You, you put the line and say, like, here's where I'm going, Simmons. Here's where I'm going, Joe Thornton. Here's where I'm going, who, who you know, uh, some of the big de- defensemen. Well, come with me. It's okay. The water's warm. Come past this line. <laughs> Break away from that. Crack that shell of just being, I'm going to toe drag and come in like, do, 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 do. Because I'm so good, I've done this my whole life, and da, 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 I got a big contract. Then, if you want to be a winner, you got to cross that line and be a bad son of a bitch and get hit and get off and dive to the puck and block a shot with your face and just have a warrior shift as a superstar and your team and everybody, and then all of a sudden it'll click for you, man. You have one playoff series where you're an absolute warrior. Maybe your skill game's not there, but damn, people are feeding off of that because you're Austin Matthews. And then... You break out of that shell, and you're like, oh, oh, I get it, Brad Marchand. I get it, Bergeron, or whoever, Ryan O'Reilly, and even Vladdy, and David Cron, and how they just, they don't bring a lot of blues into this, but man, they, they, they just did it recently. And they, yep, no, no, for sure. On, some of the guys, Coleman on, in Tampa, the Warriors on Tampa Bay, like, get out of here. Watch those guys. They're Warriors. They're well, tiptoeing around. No, I look at it, and you know what? A couple of years ago, you know, when Mitch Marner made that big block shot against Boston to preserve the lead, and I'll throw Maple Leafs yeah. out like you throw out the St. Louis Blues guys, but I, I put Marner out there like that, and I say, okay, you blocked that shot, and everybody went nuts like he scored the Game 7 winner because he blocked that shot. But it's like you just said, everybody feeds off that. Everybody gets amped up. It's because it's a big thing, and it's what you need to do to win. But these guys, unless it's Hyman, leading the charge, which is one guy on an island on the least most night, him and Muzzin, before they got the rest of the merry men they got, you know, yeah. it just doesn't seem to click with these guys. And I'm wondering, you know, you look at teams like St. Louis, you look at teams like Boston, you look at teams like Tampa. Tampa went out and got some mercenaries to to add to their team, the Coleman's, the Goodrows, you know, but they added the right guys who were going to do those things that muck it up right. I'm wondering for you, you look at these squads, and we'll talk about St. Louis, you know, what got them over the hump, in your opinion? I mean, adding a guy like Ryan O'Reilly was damn huge. A guy that pretty much was about to give up on hockey in Buffalo and went to St. Louis and, hello, breath of fresh air, you know, blowing the wind behind his ass and he was ready to go again. So I'm wondering for you, what, what makes these guys do that and what gets a team over that hump? Because obviously St. Louis was knocking on the door for a while with Vladdy and things, but never got to the point where they won the cup, and now they did against the Boston Bruins, who the NHL labeled the Big Bad Bruins. Damn yeah, right. And look, Tampa, I bring Tampa Bay up in this, like, but they weren't there. Tampa wasn't there until they were there, right? They got beat by Columbus, so they didn't figure it out for a decade. Yep. And then the Blues didn't figure it out. But then all of a sudden the Blues get, you know, not just Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Okay, and that might have been by, like, you know, luck. Where you're like, oh, okay, okay, we'll bring you in. Like, you Then you got Craig Bruby, who's like, 
Oscar Sundquist, who's a nobody. But uh, Ivan Barbashev, I think he's a second round pick, maybe maybe even higher than that. You get these guys, and you're like, this is what I need you to do. Alexander Steen, who's making five point seven. You're going to go on the fourth line, and you're going to be a warrior on the fourth line. And then everybody buys in. They're like, oh, okay, we're skilled enough. We have great defense, and we have an unbelievable goalie, and we listen to our coach. We have a chance, but it's a combination of everything. And the, the Leafs just all they need is just figure out a couple things. The Blues had some awesome series, and they, they learned how to be warriors, man, consistently every night. And you could see the progression every day when you're dissecting this damn team throughout that playoff run. You're like, oh, 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 they're doing it. Oh, I see it. They're doing it. And, you know, until a team figures that out, figures that out gets the right group, gets a couple guys to, like, throw in there to hit a little bit, or whatever the case is, just to balance things out, they'll take it over uh, the edge soon. I think Toronto will. I hope so. I really do, Cam. Well, I want to ask you about that run for the the St. Louis Blues. Obviously, a very exciting time for you know a former member like yourself, and I'll be around the team and see everything. What was the feeling like when you knew you were going to the Stanley Cup final, and then what was the ultimate feeling like? Like, holy crap, they just won the cup. This is freaking amazing. Well, I was doing Channel Five. I was doing local TV in Boston. They flew me to Boston. I brought my girl. They're supposed to have me like stay in this little dinky ass place. I'm like, no, nope. I'll spend a fifteen hundred bucks to get a badass hotel with my wife looking over Boston, you know. And so we just did it up, went there. I did a pre post, all that stuff. But so when we all gathered together, and all the I was standing next to all the guys throughout the whole game because Boston set up so weird up there. All the like the guys, the black aces, and all the boys that are sitting out in that game. I was right next to them talking the whole time. And you you tell in the third period when they scored that three to one. And all the guys look at each other like, let's go downstairs. And that's when you knew. And then I posted something like, it's happening. And it's this. <laughs> and then I remember going, and then I'm right after they won it, the camera's on me. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, uh, somebody go next door in Eureka, Missouri. Check on my parents. They're probably having a heart attack. It was cool, man. Jesus Christ. I was so stressed out that whole game anyway because I was working and I was sweating my ass off. I was like, oh God. On TV, sweating is not fun. No, I mean, I watched, uh, I went to Tampa, funny, like for me, I went to Tampa this year, the, basically last week you could travel, before everything went crazy, like the first week of March, yeah. we were down in Tampa, went seeing Tampa versus Montreal, and of course there's Dave Anderchuk, we were right by the booth where he does his call for the game, and you see the lights on him, and you see him sweating, and I'm just like, man, how uncomfortable that's gotta be, like just the entire game, you're, you're sitting there, and you just got this beating off of you. Like, how do, you, how do you guys do that? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't like being no, uncomfortable. I don't like it either. Radio's the easiest thing in the world, man. <laughs> and, like, if you do little quick videos that you could, like, edit, those are nice, too. But when you do live shots and the cameras are on you, oh, but it makes you better, man. Like, it just, like, they asked me to do so much stuff with, with that here. And I even took a couple, a couple of my buddies that are big deal news broadcasters, TV broadcasters at St. Louis, right, who I know who've helped me and, you know, whatever. Uh, they're like, Cam, I'm going, I'm going to, can you do my job tonight? And I'm like, oh, God. So they just threw me. This. So when you do that kind of stuff, though, man, the camera's on you, and everybody knows when they're watching, like, oh, there's Cam. This is his first time doing it. You just go with it. And if you yeah. mess up, it's funny. You're supposed <laughs> to mess up. One time I did it, and I went back to the big chairs where you're sitting next to all the classy news people, and the chair was all the way down, so I sat in and went, bam, right on camera. <laughs> oh, God. It's like... But everybody laughed. They probably got a ton of views. The ratings were high that night because I'm an idiot. That's great. 
<laughs> no, I can see that for sure. I can see that. Now, as I'll, long I'll, as you don't say anything stupid, it's, it's, yeah. it's organically funny. You're not like trying to be, you know. Yeah, you, well, you got to I mean, know where you're at. Yeah. People I mean, know when you're not being yourself, too, right? I mean, obviously, yeah. people have heard and seen enough of you, too, right? That they know who you are and where you are. So, you know, you can't oh, come yeah. off that way. Well, I want to ask a couple of questions about your playing career. Obviously, we all know about the lockdown guy named Lou Lamorello. And, I mean, you were New Jersey Devil for a little bit. What was it like playing under Lou Lam? And was it as bad as people make it sound? You know, where the the head shaving and the, the facial hair and all that different stuff and all the rules and regs. It, was that in place when you were there in New Jersey? Absolutely. Lou is most, the second most influential person besides my parents. He's the second most influential person in my life by an eternity. And he was so hard on me, and I needed it, and it was deserving. And anything that he, I was, he was negative about me, I look back, and it was all on me. He helped me out so much, I can't even explain it, dude. So if anybody wants to chirp Lou Lamarillo, Sometimes his business, and he sit my ass down. He brought me back. He's done this. He's done that. He yelled at me. He tried to send me home a couple of times. He's got, I mean, but he was honestly the most influential person besides my parents ever in my life. So if anybody ever wants to complain about Lou Lamarillo, I'll have a one-on-one with you anytime and talk to you. Like, what did he do? Oh, he didn't sign yet. Well, how? Well, this is probably the reason. Duh, 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 duh. Like he takes care of guys, and he also takes care of guys like you know. Maybe they had a problem growing up and their parents weren't there or something. Oh, the mine were. But maybe they're a little, edgy. you know, he likes that and brings them in and disciplines them. And I love it, dude. And I needed it. And it was so professional there. And we're always winning and winning and about the crest and about just being a teammate. And I played probably three years extra because I was a teammate because I all the stuff I learned playing in that organization. Well, I asked that question about Lou Lam because obviously he was with the lease for a little while and we got a taste of the Lou Lamorello lockdown, we called it. Um, and I asked these questions because I look at the NHL now and I look at what you just said about playing for the crest on the front. A lot of guys are marketing themselves now for the name on the back and the marketability there. And I'm wondering if that's lost on teams somewhat. And I'll use the Maple Leafs now as an example. You know, a lot of guys on that squad that are, you know, GQ quality or whatever you want to call them, fancy guys, do the the shoots and all that other stuff. And, you know, when Lou was in town, that wasn't going down. So I'm wondering, for a younger team, would a Lou Lamorello type, not maybe Lou Lamorello, but a type like him, be the type that you should have there to be buttoned up and make sure everybody understands this is professional. You play for that crest on the front, and if you want to play for me, this is the way it is. Yeah, man, he's different. But, I, I, look, but it, it goes weird ways, right? I want the Blues, as a mid-market team, to pump their guys up, and they do. Yeah. And we want that in the NHL. We want that. So in a sense, I don't like that aspect of it. You pump up your superstars, but everybody's still equal the same when it comes to, like, disciplinary action or you do something stupid on the ice like I mean there's still a little bit of an edge but like Lou just kind of evens that part of it out and just you know, everybody shaves y'all everybody dresses with a tie everybody you're a professional but I but again the hiding the marketing aspect of things depending on if it's too much stuff to where it's like affecting your game because you're doing too much stuff without resting yep. I get that part too dude there's such a balance I can't explain it man yeah but, like, you have to market your guys, but you can't overdo it. You can't pinpoint different guys on a team because everybody's equal. But you will have to to pump them up. It's, it's hard. It's a hard balance. Put it that way. No, it definitely would be a hard balance. I, I just say it because I look at the things that go on around 
and I keep going back to Toronto because that's where we focus on here. But, you know, I just see everything happening and all the different noise and all the different distractions and things like that. And I'm just like, man, you know, if it was more buttoned up, you know, and, and people didn't like what Babcock brought and sometimes people didn't like what Lou brought because they thought maybe it was too restrictive on the young players. But I look at it now and that was the things that needed to be in place. And like you just said, maybe these guys in 10, 15 years come back and say, hey, that's what we needed. You know, and we didn't have that when he left and things kind of went to the wayside. And I, I look at the type of player that you were, you know, and I look at the Leafs and I look at it and say, man, if we had a Cam Jansen on our team, a guy that not just for fighting, but just to be out there, to be a voice, to be a leader and, and just to be there. We don't have that. And I want to I want you yeah. to speak to that on, on a team. You know, what does that mean for the guys? Because everybody on the bench respects the guy that will not only stand up for his teammates, but also will be a vocal voice, not only against the guys on the ice, but in the locker room, the whole guy's accountable. Yeah, no, I know. And the game's changed. You're not going to find a guy like me anymore because there's no place for him. But you got you, you just bought that with Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons. You yep. got that. You'll see. That's what they're going to do. Exactly what they're going to do. Joe Thornton's going to run that damn show as he should from the get-go. Who else is? Is Austin Matthews running that show? John Tavares, he might a little bit, but Joe Thornton walks in there. You're looking at him. He's going to try to organize some parties. He's going to try to do this. He's going to be the one talking. So, yeah, you got it. Hell, never mind me. You got Wayne Simmons. He can put 20 in the back of the net and fight anybody in that league. You just did that. It just took you two or three years to figure it out because you got your ass kicked in the first round every year. Yeah, or you didn't even make the damn dance. (laughs) Or you didn't make the damn thing. Or you didn't make the damn thing. With all that talent, it's unacceptable. And the Toronto fans are so awesome. And if some of them are crazy, I get that everywhere. But you're so diehard, and you haven't won. And it's just like, I want a Canadian team to win. I yeah. just wanted to be the big boy team, like a Toronto or maybe a Vancouver. Well, I mean, you saw firsthand, you know, when you're talking about uh, Peter Angelo and coming to Leafs, you know, how crazy Leafs fans can be. I mean, we're, we're definitely a crazy bunch, and we, we come in droves. I'm wondering for you, you look at, uh, you know, Alex going over to Vegas. Um, do you think there's any ill will between him and St. Louis and St. Louis and him? Yeah, a little bit. It'll wear off. It's just business, man. They <laughs> yeah, thought they were going to go above and, and above and above and beyond, and they just didn't, and they couldn't. And I agree with what Doug Armstrong and Tom Stillman did here. Um, but, yeah, it, just, it didn't go smooth. But what, what, when is it ever? I mean, I look at all the odd contracts and, Blues history, Devils history, what Toronto history. Yep. Like the Blues can't afford just to throw a no movement clause at a guy who's going to be 37, 8 years old. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. You don't know what the hell you're going to get fans in here. No, that's like a very good He just started to make money in St. Louis, man, like because he won a cup, but then like that goes by quick. Okay. They spin up the cap every year. Yeah. Well, also, you need to keep making that dance and repeating, either getting into the, the conference final or the Stanley Cup final. And we, we just talked about there's no short bounces, right? But I mean, you, you get, uh, you know, Petter Angelo leave, and now you have uh, Tory Crew come in. And, I mean, you guys got to be absolutely excited for Tory Crew. Another, you know, kind of ilk of Petter Angelo can move the puck and do different things. How's the fan base receiving that one? Obviously pretty pumped up, I guess. Oh, yeah, they're big time pumped up with that, for sure. But look, you, you can't wait on Petro and just say, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, you're going, okay, well, now no one's available. So Doug had to make a decision, and he did it. Yeah. And he didn't give a no movement calls or anything like that, and, uh, and Curry Krug's a great player. He's different than Petro. He's a lefty. He can walk the line. He can do the power play. He's similar but different. He's not six three. When you're on two on one with Petro, he's gonna he's gonna probably stop it because he's that good. Because he's big and lanky. He's smart. 
But Tory Cruz is probably a better skater, and he can spin off guys and make some offensive plays and keep pucks alive. So we'll see how that goes. No, definitely. Well, I'm looking forward to next season. I want to ask you, you know, in a perfect world, Cam, we, you know, we want fans back in the arena, but it doesn't look like it might happen this season. What do you see this season looking like? Do you think the NHL wants to go for an 82-game season, or are we going to shorten that back to 48? Well, I don't think it'd be 40. I think it'd probably be in the 60s, in my opinion. Okay. You know? Yeah, I'd say probably hey, you cut that in half. Like, you're not going to do 82. I think Canada might be a different story because they're a lot stricter what's going on. Hell, in Texas, I think you have a ton of people at these football games. I mean, I mean so everywhere's different. So I think that's probably what the case is going to be is where everywhere is going to be different. Maybe there'll be a bubble in Canada. But here you could have 10,000 people at a game. You have to do something. I don't know how you're going to survive if you don't. I don't get it. Yeah, so no, you definitely need you're the revenue. Not going to, not, you're just not going to. So you have to find a balance, and it'll be weird, strange, but what, what's, what else is new? You know, <laughs> Everything's weird and strange. Welcome to I'm 2020, accepted, right? I've accepted it, dude. No, no, definitely. Well, I look at the, uh, the NHL and what they want to do, and obviously everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got something that's going on. I want to ask you, they're talking about that Canadian division. We just talked about a Canadian bubble for a second there. Do you think the Canadian uh, the Canadian edition will do well if it's a one division? Who knows, man? Like, I, I, who asked me this about the division? Like, who knows? Yeah. Look at the bubble. Like, no, I mean, like the bubble, like half the teams are there, half the teams were. It's so bizarre. A Canadian division, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Maybe yeah. guys will get sick, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll be so pissed off that they're in a bubble and everybody else is free flowing around that they're like, <laughs> screw this, I'm packing it in. Like, no one knows, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just want to play, I just want to see hockey, dude. No, just, you're, just you figure it out like you did and let's go, you know? We're, we're a little bit lucky. Like, I, I say all the time over here, you know, in Nova Scotia right now, we have hockey going. I mean, it's pretty awesome to be able to go watch a Q game and stuff like that. But it's so it's so different, right, for the restrictions. But I do want NHL hockey back. I do want it back in some some way, whatever they're going to do. But I know they're not going to do a bubble. Um, I want to know from you, Cam, what did you hear from people about the bubbles and how they liked it? I've heard nothing, but uh, I would never do it again. It was, it was neat to try it. It was neat to be involved in it. But you're never putting me back in one. Well, I think it was kind of fun at first, and they're all partying together in like the prelims, and like they're like doing funny competitions with each other, and you know, shit like that. But after a while, you're like, "Get me the hell out of here!" And yeah. we're all sexually frustrated. You don't see your wife and kids. You're like, "What am I doing?" You're, you're walking past the other team and coaches, so you're stopping every two seconds if you want to go to a restaurant to talk to people because you're just in a bubble, and you're like, "Oh, I got to talk to the coach who I just told to go f himself five times." All right, how you doing? Like, that sucks, dude. Yeah. You're sitting in a hotel, like, what am I going to do today? Oh, video games. Okay. I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's tough. But, you know, you sucked it up. The Stanley Cup was awarded. Those guys are all partying. It's all good. No, it definitely is all good. Well, Cam, I want to thank you very much for taking some time out of your schedule, jumping on with us, talking a little bit of fun stuff going around the circle here. Um, where can people find you, just in case nobody's listening in? Obviously, everybody is, but sometimes you might grab that one person never knew about it. Yeah, man. Uh, Cam is pod. Uh, at Chemistry Pod Podcast on Twitter. I'm at CamJancy25 on Twitter. Just just type my name in, dude. There's all kinds of cool <laughs> shit. We got a bunch of shit going on. It's it, you just type the name and you'll figure it all out. Uh, Instagram. I keep all my I keep all my DMs open, man. Because we're like a therapy session, and I know people have gone through some lot of things that I have. You know, painkiller abuse to this to that. I don't know. I'll talk to you about anything. I'm doing this. It might get a little crazy. Because I can't keep up with it all, but I love to be able to reach out to people 
And I don't know, if you want to reach out to me if you're going through some shit, man, I'm just, I'm pretty good at talking to people for some reason. I think it's because I've gone through everything in hell. So I'm, I get it, you know. So there you go. No, definitely. Well, Cam, I want to thank you very much, man. It was awesome speaking with you and look forward to when the season does get back to being closer, getting you back on and talking about what's happening. Yeah, man. Anytime, dude. Anytime. You were great, dude. Appreciate it, man. No worries. All right, man. All right, so as you heard, that was Cam Jansen, former NHL enforcer, obviously been with the New Jersey Devils, the St. Louis Blues, all around the map. Absolute gem to have on. Come on now. Did you not enjoy that one? All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.